Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good afternoon from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I are here at the station, and then we have Chad Brewer on the phone with us, and Chad works for the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. Is that correct, Chad? Yes, sir. So if y'all have been listening for a while, we had Don Parker I don't know, Tom, that was last fall sometime. Fall, early winter. Yeah, we talked about the Endangered Species Act on one podcast, and as Don does, he talks a long time, and so we had to do a second episode about this program. And I was unfamiliar with it at that point, but it was really cool, and Don did a thorough job of explaining it. And so we got Chad on today, and he's going to give us some more details because they've had some developments in that protocol in the meantime. Chad, we're happy to have you. Chad and I go way back, Tom. We went to school together. I taught him most everything that he knows. (laughs) (laughs) He's laughing, but he he also knows that it's true. We learned a lot at the same time. We did. Wow. Did, (laughs) Did we ever? Yeah, I've heard plenty of stories about those times at Arkansas. Maybe some things that I'd like to forget. Maybe some things I have forgotten. Well, that's kind of how, that, that's how grad student goes anyways. It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant, let's face it. That's the best way to put it. Chad, I don't know if you listen to this podcast at all, but we always kind of introduce the guest when we have a guest. And then depending on who the guest is, I giggle them a little bit with a random question. And I know you kind of, when I said that, maybe you clenched up a little bit. I'll keep it very civilized. So you've been working in cotton for a long time now. In a roll of cotton sitting in the field, how many seed is in that roll of cotton? How many seed are in a roll of cotton? Yeah. Uh, I can figure it up, but it'll take me a minute. You know my math. No, I don't want you to figure it up. I want a number. Ballpark it. (laughs) I have no oh, idea, man, so I mean, you're you're not going to be wrong as far as uh, I'm concerned. <laughs> well, there's four and a quarter bales on average, and so if they weigh 500. You're doing math. I'm not asking you to do math. I'm asking for a number. Well, you know, you you asked me a question, and I have to. I, I can't do it without just. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I have to either count them or figure it up. Okay. Um, so your answer is I don't yeah. have an answer. I don't have an answer. Okay. Not with that. Yeah, if I can't do math, then I'm out. I'm right. out. That's acceptable. Tom, you want to just throw a number? No, if I throw a number, it'll be completely wrong. Oh, I have no. Somebody talked about traffic lights in this state, and the number that I pitched was way, way high. That was a good run we had when we were doing that. I mean, planes are flying over Oklahoma. Wasn't that when we asked Arnall? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it might have been windmills. Windmills. It was, it was windmills. windmills in Oklahoma. Yep. yep. Even though we have talked about the Cotton Trust Protocol again, just start ground level and tell folks what the Cotton Trust Protocol is. Yeah, you bet. And glad to do it. Thank you all for even having me on here. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is a, an industry-led initiative that really lets the U.S. cotton farmer tell their sustainability story very well on the international stage. I tend to think of it, the U.S. cotton industry is probably one of the most sustainable in the world, but it's one of those situations where if you don't write something down, we can't really prove that it happened. And so 
the protocol is a way that these farmers can write down and record what they're doing. Then it allows them to prove how sustainable they are on that world stage. And over the course of the last uh, three years, there's been a trend toward more and more and more need for sustainability, approving sustainability. And the protocol has really grown during that time period to where now we've got, depending on the year, 10 to 15% of the U.S. cotton crop going through the protocol. And um, it's beginning to pick up more and more traction. So we've got that piece of the protocol where farmers can really tell their story. And then there's another part of the protocol that allows protocol members such as, you know, merchants and, and mills and manufacturers to trace that U.S. cotton through our traceability solution uh, to a finished good. So it's really, I think, over the course of the next decade or so, it'll be the next evolution of the, the U.S. cotton market. And so we're really excited to be in this space right now. It's certainly growing on the international scale. With that in mind, Chad, what kind of partnerships do you all have that are existing now? I mean, obviously, you talked about the fact that over the last three years, more farmers have gotten involved with that. Do you also see an increase in partners within the cotton industry that support this? Yes, absolutely. We interact with all levels of the supply chain here at the protocol. So everything from the farmer in the field that's producing the crop to the end user, the brand and retailer that's selling the apparel. It's truly an all-encompassing program, and that's one of the many things that I love about it um, because you can really see something go from, from I don't know, the dirt to the shirt, so to speak. It's the whole gamut of the supply chain is really encompassed by the protocol. Speaking of that, Chad, step through that process. So you've got a roll of cotton. Cotton's been harvested. It's sitting on the turn row. Step it through from there all the way through the manufacturing process within the Cotton Trust Protocol. What does that look like? You bet. So you got the module out in the field. It makes its way to the gin. It gets ginned, and each bale is assigned a permanent bale ID, PBI. That was initiated, I don't know, probably 20 years ago or more here in the U.S., and that's regulated by the USDA. That's what, one of the cool things about the U.S. cotton industry is like we were the first ones in that permanent bale ID space about 20 years ago. And so every bale of U.S. cotton gets a number. And farmer members of the protocol, their bale numbers get uploaded to the protocol system, either by a GN, maybe a consultant, a farmer could do it themselves as well. And we check those numbers against the uh, USDA database to make sure that that's a real cotton bale. And then from there, a member co-op or or merchant could upload those numbers as a shipment to a spinner. who would spin it into yarn. Okay. That spinner then um, has a system that's integrated with ours, a system here at the protocol that's called Textile Genesis. And he receives that inventory from that shipment. And he says, okay, I took so many kilograms of fiber from this shipment and I spun it into so many kilograms of yarn. And then he says, and I sent it to the next guy up, which would be a weaver or a knitter. And then that guy, next guy up in the supply chain, he says, hey, I'm receiving that inventory in our system. And so we use blockchain technology 
to go from spinner to weaver to dyeing and finishing and then cut and sew to the final product. So at each point along that text, that supply chain, um, we're using blockchain technology to receive and transmit inventory all the way up. So that's how the system works. And so when it gets to the other end, the brands and retailers that are purchasing those goods can see how much U.S. cotton, how much protocol cotton is in their finished goods. And then they contact us about the environmental claims that they'd like to make. That's kind of the, the full loop of the, the protocol cotton. Describe the environmental claims that you referred to. We were talking about water use or technology use. What, what, yep. what type of thing are you referring to there? Great question. And this is part of the part of the farmer telling their story well. So when a farmer enrolls in the protocol, one of the steps is to use a field print calculator. So we're integrated with a group called Field to Market that gave, allows us to have access to their field print calculator. And so a farmer draws in or maps in a field boundary, and we can upload them automatically, but some farmers just draw them in by hand. And then, of course, you know, with those boundaries, now we can have access to soil maps and, and where that thing is in space and time. And then they enter in their production practices, like their tillage, and did they have a cover crop, or how many uh, sprayer passes did they make, and, you know, how far is this field from the gin, and um, all different sorts of things. If a farmer's coming in for the first time, just created a protocol account, it might take them, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half to get fully registered. Good news is when they come back next year, everything's saved, so it takes much, much less time, probably 30 minutes on the second year. Once they get all that data entered, then the field print calculator actually calculates six different metrics, things like greenhouse gas emissions, soil conservation uh, numbers. It calculates the water use efficiency, a couple other things that are of interest. And so now the farmers can see how he's doing in that space. And so we aggregate all their numbers together. So it's like a program average. So we never give out any individual farmers, you know, individual score. It's all an aggregate score from every farmer that's enrolled because it's a U.S. initiative. So it's not a matter of, say, a retailer making the claim that this brand or line or whatever was produced with conventional uh, cotton yeah conventional cotton versus roundup ready cotton versus whatever it's this cotton passed muster for the u.s cotton trust protocol and then collectively this is what the u.s trust protocol tells you was done to u.s cotton yes sir more or less that's it we don't have any prescriptive practices within the, the protocol which is quite different than some of the other sustainability programs out in the world we don't tell farmers what they can and can't do because we feel like that the U.S. crop is sustainable the way it's grown. So this is really just about allowing the farmers to document what they're doing. That documentation is proving quite beneficial on that global scale. Well, and it promotes the sustainability of cotton from the U.S. in general. Absolutely. Like I said earlier, if you don't write it down, you can't prove it. Well, well, now we're actually being able, we're able to prove how we stack up against some of our other competitors across the globe. 
Chad, with other commodities, there are programs, and you kind of referenced that, like you're looking at a package of finished product, and it's got a QR code or whatever. You scan that QR code, and it might tell you the state or maybe even the county where that commodity was produced, and that's not this, correct? No, that's not this. We're not that granular in our approach, but we're providing that program-level statistics. So, like I said, we're it's more of a broader nationwide look today. And that's my point. This is a promotion of the U.S. cotton industry rather than a tracking program for the raw materials that would go into a product. That's right. It's open for any U.S. cotton farmer. It's their program, and we're happy to represent them and try to represent them well. You talked about before we started recording the levels that they could apply to within the trust protocol. Would you go through some of those now? Yeah, you bet, Tom. What we've been talking to about so far is just the normal operation of the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol over the last three years. Transitioning into this part of the conversation, you may have heard of the U.S. Uh, Partnership for Climate Smart Commodities. It's a funding opportunity brought to us by the USDA and the NRCS. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol Uh, along with five other partners, submitted a proposal to the USDA and actually received grant funding um, to the tune of $90 million. And so over the course of the next five years, the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is the lead partner for that grant and will be facilitating technical and financial assistance to cotton farmers that are interested in this sustainability space. And that grant has three different levels. So uh, the first level for enrollment in the grant is simply enrollment in the protocol and uploading your cotton bales. And we're able to incentivize that enrollment for 706 acres per farming entity at $5 an acre. So that's a a max per farming entity of $3,530. So not a lot of money, but it does help you know, offset the the time that a person would have to spend enrolling in the protocol. So they spend a couple hours enrolling in the protocol, uploading their cotton bales at the end of the year. They could be eligible for $3,530. The level two enrollment is if those same farmers that enrolled in level one would like to make a practice change on that 706 acres. The grant allows for funding for three different production practices. So the grant would offer $25 an acre for planting cover crops, $5 an acre for going to a no-till production system, and then $5 an acre for uh, developing a nutrient management plan. And level two enrollment and those financial incentives, financial and technical incentives, will be available for three years. So if if you enroll in level two, then you've got three years worth of funding for those climate smart agricultural practices. And really, I like to think about this one as how a grower could, quote, dip his toe into or pilot or trial some of these practices on a portion of their farm and really have someone else offset a little bit of that cost of entry into that trial. 25 bucks an acre for cover crops. we cover cover crop seed and uh, maybe a little bit of the work that goes along with that. So they're hopefully offsetting some of that entry uh, barrier to entry cost. Once they make those practice changes on new acres, acres that previously didn't have a cover crop, 
for instance, then they're able to enter into the carbon market and sell carbon inset in our level three enrollment. So really you look at the beginning stage, level one is the protocol, level two is making a practice change, and then level three is entering into the carbon market. There's progressively more and more financial incentives and technical assistance that goes along with each level of enrollment. And this will be over the course of the next five years, so until I think May 1st, 2028 will be the end of the grant. Tom's still furiously writing over there. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, well, I've been working on it for a couple months now, and it's a large undertaking. And I should mention that there's an enrollment for 1,650 U.S. cotton farming entities. So that's the room that we have for the in, inside the grant. 330 of those enrollments are reserved for the historically underserved communities. And all these will be filled on a first-come, first-served basis. So I just want to make sure everyone's aware that time is of the essence for enrollment. What's the deadline for enrollment? I think that's probably the most important thing to capture before we talk about how to enroll is what the deadline is to get started. Yes. 2023 enrollment for the protocol is going to close September 1st, 2023. If we haven't reached that 1650 mark by that point, then enrollment will open back up in January on January 1st, 2024. I would anticipate that by September 1st, we'll have probably have most of those slots filled by that point. So like I said, I just encourage folks to get out there. And if they're interested in this space and want, want someone to offset the cost of entry, this would be a, surely a great way to do it. Tom's next question, Chad, was how and where do I go to apply? So you can go to www.trustuscotton.org. That would be a great place to start. That's the protocol website. It's a good place to start. And then, um, of course, they can reach out to any of us here uh, directly at the the Cotton Trust Protocol. If I'm a first-time enrollee, it's going to take me, it's going to be a little bit of a time investment. But then Mm -hmm. after that, I'm going to be getting through it pretty quick in the following years. That's right. A little bit of investment on the front end. But we save you data, and then every time you come back, it's, it's a little quicker. We're working with several cotton gins throughout the U.S., one of the cool things that's happening is gins are enrolling their members. So you might check with your cotton gin and see if they're already a member in the protocol. And if so, then I'm sure they, they know how to get the process started as well. Is there anything in addition to what we talked about, Chad, that you think cotton farmers need to know about? I want to make sure that I acknowledge the partners in our program. We couldn't do it without them, and they have been instrumental in both the writing and the implementation of this Climate Smart Cotton Grant. Um, those are Cotton Council International, Cotton Incorporated, the Soil Health Institute, Texas A&M AgriLife Research, uh, AgriCenter International, Alabama A&M University, and North Carolina A&T State University. Every one of those organizations has been instrumental in the implementation of this grant, and we're just tickled to death to be actually be a part of it with them. So definitely want to thank them. Chad, thanks so much for joining us today. I, I think this is important information, and it's definitely important for U.S. cotton farmers to get this type of, of, of exposure internationally. Well, Tom, thanks for having me here today. I really appreciate it. Chad, good to talk to you, man. Don't get to see you enough anymore, so you get down this way, come by and see us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always want to come see y'all. Tell the family we said hello. Will do, man.
The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.